This is Clayton Howe's Entertainment X. For part two with Alan Mankin, we continue the conversation on composing, how he gets unstuck, if ever he gets stuck, and the upcoming Little Mermaid live-action film, May 26th. So I hope you enjoy this part two with Alan Mankin. Do you get stuck? And if so, how do you get unstuck in work or in life? Well, in work, certainly, if you get stuck, pick a better assignment. Huh. Because if you're stuck, it means the assignment is not a good one. Huh. Um, you know, there's so many times where you go, well, I have this scene... And, you know, he does these funny things where he's doing he's doing these quips and she's not paying attention. And could you make a song out of that? I go, well, is there anything, you know, and then you have to look, is there anything actually a funny about that scene, let's say, or yeah. is there any reason why this person would break into the song or et cetera? So, um, sorry, the question again was what? <laughs> sorry, getting, oh, lost. no, it's all good because I love the answer. I was starting to <laughs> uh, getting unstuck if you're ever stuck. Yeah, to get right. Um, getting unstuck in one's private life is hard, yeah. you know, um, because there are we have our Achilles heels. You know, we have our vulnerable spots. Mm. Um, I have this. I would call it a problem, but it is part of my I hate to disappoint people. Um, and I think it probably goes back to my relationship with my parents and my mother, especially. Um, and so if I, if, and, and of course, with you, you know, I have two daughters, so that's what a father does is basically, <laughs> you know, uh, flirts with disappointing people all the time. <laughs> um, so yes, so that I could get very, if, if, if there's a feeling that I've disappointed someone and they're angry with me, I'm paralyzed. Um, if if they're sort of within the how do I you know the uh, the territory where where I really if they're within the boundaries hmm. and then outside of that I keep a strong boundary to go I'm not going to invest that in you to worry about disappointing because it's too hard for me it's paralyzing hmm. um, and and I think maybe that's also why I'm a good collaborator because when somebody comes in with you know sort of within that that um what do we call it the sphere of safety or whatever it is yeah. i'll kill myself to make sure that i don't disappoint mm. um you know and that's there i get stuck there that's that's pretty much where where i will get stuck and um i start become obsessive about that which is difficult for me you know um uh, because I don't have a lot of easy escapes beyond that. Yeah. Anyway, do you, this is like my therapy. This is great. Okay, good, good. <laughs> Some people don't enjoy it, so I'm glad you do. <laughs> do Do you have a preference on collaborating and working alone? Is there a balance for you? Do you think of it, you know? In I prefer collaborating. Yeah. I'm a really good, honestly, I'm a very good lyricist. Yeah. I I really am. Yeah. Uh, and... I think not not being a composer lyricist frees me up immensely to let music drive um, drive the writing of a song. 
Mm. I want, you know, music is meant to be unreasonable in a way. You want to go to a place that's really emotionally driven um, that pulls you away from predictable lyrics, from predictable patterns, and just goes to the gestalt. Mm. And, and the lyricists who take that on, who I work with, just do amazing work, I think, because of it being music first. Now, that said, there are times where I will, someone will write a lyric and I'll, I'll write music after. And that can work too, but for me, not as well. When you're writing, how often do you need to try this stuff out on individuals? Or do you most often know you have a really good hit rate on what settles in your gut <laughs> prior to getting someone well, else's opinion? Um, I know that I can often know that I love something in my gut and then have the collaborator who says, that doesn't work for me. Hmm. And um, and it may be the collaborator. It may be also the person going, that is so you in your comfort zone. Hmm. Um, and I, I don't want to, you to be in that place. And I go, okay, great. Um, I'm, I will be in another place. I remember we were working on, example, Hercules. My first take on writing Hercules was I was going to, I want to do a score like Candide, hmm. you know, the Bernstein score Candide, yeah. very um, classical and very, um, uh, I, I don't know, it, classical is, is, you know, I guess it, both in music and in the arts. And then John Musker and Ron Clemens said, we no, we really want this to be a gospel score. And I went, really? Huh. And, but I dove in and went, oh, fantastic. It just, it brought, and it brought such a, having that stylistic earthiness mm. created a great foil to David Zippel's incredibly sophisticated lyrics. That blend was just magical. Mm. Um, so I go to my gut in the writing and then I let go and listen to the reaction. There, there are you know songs I've written that I think are just, yeah, and people love them. I'm not going to say which. Sure. And there sure. are songs that I just think are just, oh my god, so wonderful. And people go, yeah, I don't know, but you know, because that's, it just doesn't hit the same chord for them. Um. So, okay, there's a when I work with people, there's a number of. Uh, how strategies I use. Okay. One is called the eye test strategy. I'm writing something and you go, is this better? Is this better? Is this better? First way, is this better? Way. You know, when you if you have wear glasses, you know that's what they do at the, doc, at the doctor. Yeah. Is this better? Is this better? Is this better? Is this better? Um, there's also what I call cinder blocks, which is I want the shape of a musical. I just want to put blunk. This this is the a, a, a crude version of what the opening should be or what this should be or what that. And I want, get those in place to go, does the shape work? And then you begin to shape the cinder blocks. Doesn't mean that the cinder block could be the finished song as soon as you write it, but what you aim for is the basic gestalt of each moment and the basic, I keep using the word gestalt. There must be another word for it, but. That's a perfect one though, that's good. It is kind of perfect. Uh, the shape of the score, that that the score, um, what you wanted to have this power that pulls 
people in and always stays ahead of them and pulls them through the story and gives them a unique unique way to look at the characters um and um and that's really important that but you try the approach and then say what do you think the eye test the eye test is that musical uh, phrases is that like a, a verse or a chorus or is that a whole song or 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 it could be um could be anything okay it could be it could be an entire song going here's two songs is this better or is this better hmm. you know the, the the idea of saying here's the song what do you think hmm. um as opposed to here's a song or we could do that or we, hmm. um that that's immensely more practical in a collaboration and it's immensely more successful you know as a way to to proceed with any project. I mean, my trunk of songs that did not make it into shows are they're great songs. Yeah. Um, and the show would be less great with that that song in it as opposed to this song, right. which maybe was simpler or or just aimed for something different. So it's it's always a matter of um being the initiator and being the reactor. An initiator and being a reactor. Yeah. And um and just, you know, and letting this basically letting your gut brain decide and then letting your collaborators decide and then let letting your the director decide and let the producer decide. And at the end of the day, let the audience decide. Mm. Um and they'll, you know, that will always tell you the truth. And and I have the unique um challenge of having my works being you know being done in one form and then oh but now we're going to do this adaptation of it on the stage or in, in live action film or on television or and in each case i'll make often make alterations simply because it's a different medium I, and it may be a different audience Yes. And I would be remiss if I don't bring up May 26th, which will be <laughs> the Little Mermaid <laughs> live action. How I'm just curious if we touch on it for a moment, how that's been any challenges or if it's really just been a joy to revisit such a wonderful piece. Well, it's a joy to revisit, especially because, you know, I have I have um, Rob Marshall and John DeLuca, um, who are the best of the best in terms of film musicals mm -hmm. um, and you know you're in a director's hands mm -hmm. but, but there I have I, I and then of course working with Lynn mm -hmm. Lynn Manuel Miranda as a lyricist those are so cool and so great um, but I have my feet in two camps yeah. one I'm the keeper of the flame this is my intention Howard's not here I gotta protect this and the other is I'm a collaborator and I'm working with a director's vision. Um, and you've got to balance those two. Mm -hmm. And um, so it's always, a ch it is a challenge. Um, but often the challenge is simply, again, I just don't want to disappoint anyone. Oh my God, I'm disappointing this person because I made that change. I'm disappointing this person because I didn't make that change. And I simply try to balance those things. And again, I test it. Does this hurt more? Does that hurt more? <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I love that. <laughs> Through th this conversation has been so special. I've, I've got two questions here and we'll wrap it on up. I am curious. 
through all of these achievements in your life, how are you balancing achievement versus fulfillment or viewing it? I mean, they're, they're kind of one and the same. Um, fulfillment is seeing the effect of, of the work I've done. I mean, there's, uh, there's songs or shows I've written that have immense, immense effect. And when I go back to them, I go, I didn't remember that. What, what, wait a second, that song, how does it go again? Um, <laughs> so... The fulfillment is knowing that being in the moment with the work that you're doing is um, it works mm. um, and, and not putting on conditions like it's got to happen by this age or this one made that much money and I only made that much money or he got this honor and I didn't get that or I got what it's just being in the work. Um, and then being able to sort of, you know, you lift yourself up your head out of the water and you look up and you go, oh, it's a beautiful world here. And it's really had a great effect. That's sort of both achievement and fulfillment. Um, so I don't think now, achieve, um, unless it's talking about achievement and um I don't know, being able to just sit back and go, oh, I'm going <laughs> to relax now and just play. And, you know, when I was younger, that was easier. Okay. Because, you know, I had these artificial, I want to have this, I want to have to, oh, it succeeded, great. Now I'm going to go off and, wee. Yeah. Um, But I've done all that. <laughs> I've had all the wees I could have. <laughs> and... And so it's different. I just, I like being home. Yeah. Um, and at the same time, I love being associated with all the artists that I've known for the last 40 years and seeing how, you know, those of us who are still here, it's, it's this uh, fraternity, sorority, whatever you're going to call it, hmm. of, of us who have, you know, great respect and affection for each other. And, um, and that's, a, that's also a wonderful part of life. And, you know, you just realize this is what I've devoted my life to. And it, that is my fulfillment. Yeah. Yeah. It's one in the same. Yeah. I mean, there are there times where I think, you know, I'd love to go to some spiritual spa and shave my head and just sit in the fetal, not fetal position, sit, sit in the meditation. <laughs> that was a Freudian slip if there ever was one. <laughs> you know, uh, just sit and contemplate like i would love to have that um yeah and you know the, your bra the, our brain's capacity is amazing but you make choices about what you allow your brain to do and how you value what it does and the effect it has in the world and coming to to terms with the fact this is my life hmm. um that's very satisfying I have to say through this conversation, it's incredibly commendable to see how true you remain to yourself and even keeled with deadlines and projects and continuing to contribute, you know, staying, it's, it's really, it's, um, 
something to, you know, idolize a little bit because more people need that, you know, to not burn out. Well, yeah, there is that. But I, and there are also, I, you know, there are times I just say, you know, I'm just kind of a boring person. This is what I like to do every day. And it worked out. Right. So, <laughs> um, you know, people do tend to romanticize art in terms of what other people do, but really it's what they do every day. It's what they love doing. And Okay, one more story. Please. And, and this has to do with, you know, okay, so I, my sister was, um, she and Bette Midler shared a dressing room at, at Fiddler. She was, you know, on Broadway for one show. And then she got a job, and but she always remained very connected to the, you know, the arts and business. So I would hear her, her daughter went to the Hunter School and I would constantly hear about two little boys who thought they were very talented at the Hunter School. And I'd hear about um, uh, this little boy named Lin-Manuel Miranda. I, you, don't, you don't, oh, this boy, Lin-Manuel Miranda, could you sign this poster? Lin-Manuel Miranda has this question. He's just like crazy passionate about, about the Little Mermaid. And, and then you fast forward, you go, you know, you can't make that stuff up. No. Someone who, and I also heard about Bobby Lopez. Same school, same. It was just a, the accident of these two boys who breathed in what we were doing and now look at our world. They're breathing it out. Yeah. Um, it's just, you know, it's what we do. It, and that, it, the creative process is when you're young, you just breathe it all in. The more passionate you are about that and allowed to be passionate about that, the more what you put out into the world is amazing. Um, and so a lot of it simply comes from the love that we we artists put into the things that we love and then whap, we put it out into the world. Um, and people will call it whatever they're going to call it, genius, or they'll call it inspiration. Or it's just, you know, it's what we do. Um, so, and I think the healthiest way to look at it is just, is what we do. What, what did Irving Berlin used to call his, his songwriting, uh, this little knack. I have this little knack. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that's sort of uh, how I look at it. Alan, this conversation has been so special. I do have to ask, metaphorically speaking, yeah. if you could put a word or a phrase on a billboard for millions of people to see, does anything come to mind? A word or a phrase? This is it. Enjoy it. <laughs> this is it. Enjoy it. I love that. <laughs> and you certainly are. And it's a breath of fresh air to hear it and to capture it and to share it. So thank you for sharing. By the way, <laughs> it doesn't mean that I don't get, you know, really upset or pissed oh, off at times. But yes, I mean, you're like, this is our, this is our world. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and there are times you have, you have to fight for things you care about. And at the end of the day, you also have to go, this is it. Enjoy it.
because that's what we got. People of the world, Alan Menken. You've been listening to Entertainment X, the podcast. You can follow Entertainment X on Instagram at underscore Entertainment X underscore. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Join Clay next week for another curiosity conversation on Entertainment X. Thank you for listening. <laughs>